With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught! Incredible play by Donald! He'll hit immediately. He's the handoff. That's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to meet a dark horse candidate for the New York Jets head coaching job. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard this name, I was a little confused because of his relative lack of experience. But the more I'm digging in on him and the more that my next guest helps us understand his appeal, I'm starting to think that he may have a better shot than we realize and that that's probably a good thing. I'm talking about Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley and to talk about him, I've got from the LA Football Network, Ryan Dyrude. Ryan, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? Really appreciate you uh, having me on your show. Excited to uh, talk football as always and uh, hopefully give hopefully give some good information on Brandon Staley because the dude is just a wealth of football knowledge. He's a, a breath of fresh air. And what he's done to this Ram defense is unbelievable. So excited to talk with you and your listeners about him. So before we go back and get through his backstory, I thought this was a really fun story about how he ended up on the Rams staff because he's only been there for one year as the defensive coordinator, only been a defensive coordinator in the NFL for one year. Although, as we will talk about in a little bit, he does have quite a bit of experience at the collegiate level, particularly in Division Three. Sean McVay, who everybody knows, 
is insane when it comes to preparation and meticulousness with football. Met with Brandon Staley when he was a candidate for the defensive coordinator job last year after Wade Phillips left. And Sean McVay picked him up from the airport. They talked in the car. They ended up having a 12-hour conversation. And here's what McVay had to say about that 12-hour marathon interview. He said, when you talk football, I'd like to think that I love football as much as anybody. But I find myself sitting there thinking, this guy might be sicker than I am. And that's saying something with McVay. Also, here's what Staley had to say about the relationship and why they're such a good fit together, building on that. He says, it kind of gets to the essence of our relationship from a football standpoint that we fit so well. If we were coaching on the other side of the ball, that's what it would look like. There's an ultimate respect and there's an ultimate collaboration because you're able to help one another take your side of the ball to its highest potential. We really believe that because of the creativity and collaboration, we're able to see the game very similarly. And that fits with what McVeigh said he was looking for when he went out and was trying to find a replacement for Wade Phillips because he said he was looking for a defensive version of him. And it sounds like Staley fits the bill. Oh, 100%. Like, fits it to a T. If they looked any more similar, which they, you know, they're both young. Staley's 38 years old and they both run up and down the sidelines and they're, you know, at practice, both running with both their descriptive units. They're not just standing off to the side. So they're, you know, one in the same, cut from the same cloth. Um, you know, Wade Phillips was beloved here in Los Angeles and, and for this team and everyone that's played for Wade Phillips loves the guy. But, but one thing that was missing from the defense was they talked about a lot was lack of adjustments, lack of changing throughout the game. And so that's what McVay was looking for when they decided to move on from Wade Phillips. And he wanted to find a mind kind of more similar to his, like you just talked about so eloquently and all those, the story of their first meeting and, and they found it right off the bat, man. And Staley's just, He's like I said in the beginning, he's just a breath of fresh air. He's super smart. His players love him. And he's a mastermind uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which uh, is everyone talks about the offensive mind nowadays. That's the way the NFL game is going. Um, but there's something to be said about the defensive masterminds because, you know, we've seen these Super Bowls that end up being low scoring games sometimes. We, the Rams, when they made it on their offensive prowess and they lost 10 to 3. So defense is very important. And it, it, it showed with how Staley turned around this defense this season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. We're going to talk about Brandon Staley's experience with the Rams. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about his experience pre-Rams. Staley's first experience with football was as a player. And in fact, even though he's made his name on the defensive side of the ball, he began as a quarterback and was a starter at the University of Dayton for two years. Coaches kid too, so really understands the game. And he says that being a quarterback gave him a really strong understanding of what to do on the other side of the ball when he started coaching defense. He says, what being a quarterback has done is really opened up my lens. And from a defensive perspective, be able to get an understanding of what you're looking at and how the offense is operating. It's really meant a lot to me in my career. I would say that it's been the biggest benefit for me. When you're a quarterback, you have to command the huddle. You have to be able to reach everybody on the team. And as a defensive graduate assistant, when I first got started, that was the role. You're running the scout team, and you're kind of like a quarterback in that way. So that experience really helps. And while Staley was good enough to start at the University of Dayton for two years, he wasn't good enough to make it to the NFL And he did what a lot of players do when they want to stay around the game of football, but they know that they can't play anymore. He went into coaching. So he starts out in college as a graduate assistant for Northern Illinois, then moves on as a defensive line coach and special teams coach for St. Thomas in Minnesota. You'll notice a trend here because these are all smaller schools. Hutchinson Community College, he moves on there, associate head coach, defensive coordinator. Then finally gets a little bit of a break, goes to Tennessee for a year as a graduate assistant. And finally, this is where he starts to make his mark at John Carroll University. He gets there in the year 2013. Now, he left for a year to go be defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for James Madison in 2014. But in 2013 and then again from 2015 to 2016, he was defensive coordinator and secondary coach at John Carroll. And the interesting thing, Ryan, about John Carroll is that John Carroll has a ton of very well-known people that went through there that became big-time executives and big-time coaches in the NFL. So as far as coaches go... Don Shula, who's obviously one of the greatest coaches of all time for the Baltimore Colts and the Miami Dolphins. Josh McDaniels, former head coach of the Denver Broncos, but best known for his work as offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Greg Roman, offensive coordinator for the Ravens, who at one point in time was a hot head coaching name earlier this year. Then you've got Tom Telesco, general manager of the Chargers. Nick Casario, who just got hired as general manager of the Texans. So I wonder if Staley becomes a name to watch there. Dave Caldwell, who just got let go as general manager of the Jaguars. Chris Polian, director of player personnel for the Jaguars. Pat Moriarty, C 
Senior VP of Football Administration for the Ravens, and Dave Ziegler, Director of Pro Personnel for the New England Patriots. So again, a very, very impressive bunch of guys that have come through those ranks. Brandon Staley has added his name to the list. And you look at what he did when he was at John Carroll. They ended up winning a Division Three National Championship. He demanded a ton from his players, but they really respected him. He installed a defense when he got there that really played to the player's strengths. And I thought this was interesting because it plays into what we talked about before with his meeting with McVeigh. Former John Carroll head coach Tom Arth, who was the head coach when Staley was there, says that he knew within moments of meeting Staley that he was going to hire him. He said that coming off a one-year stint as a graduate assistant at Tennessee, he wasn't sure what to think of him. But within the first minute of starting to talk some football, he knew that Staley was different. And here's the direct quote. Once you meet Brandon, there is no other candidate. That is about as high praise as you can get, right? Yeah, I don't know how you get any higher praise than that. And I, it just shows, uh, you know, his personality, his football acumen. And and uh, it, it really, when you list all that off and, and you talk about all that, it kind of makes you wonder how he didn't get bigger looks earlier, right? Like he goes from Tennessee and then goes to John Carroll. You kind of think like, well, was that Tennessee? Why didn't Tennessee move him up the ranks? Or why didn't he stay in the SEC? Um, if they spoke that highly of him at John Carroll, but obviously his path is what his path is. And we see where he is now, but that's, I think that's amazing when you hear that about a guy that you, you just, as soon as you meet, you know, yep, this is the one we don't need to hear anybody else. This guy's made for the job, made to, made to teach football. And, uh, and that's something that I think is cool too. Throughout this year, he talks a lot when he when he does these Zoom interviews with the team, or not with the team, but with the media. Um, he talks a lot about his wife, who's a teacher. And uh, so he takes a lot of examples from what she does in her job, and he tries to apply them in coaching, because coaching, in reality, at its purest form, is teaching. And I think that's what may, has made him so successful, is he's a phenomenal teacher, and he's able to relay that within these interviews and why he's been able to have so much success at John Carroll and, and, you know, in that realm. And obviously we'll get farther down the line as we continue our conversation. But um, yeah, I think that's amazing what he's been able to do. As you said, really good teacher and a really good interview. And so when he was interviewing with McVeigh, he was selling him on what he had put together at John Carroll. And in doing that, he outlined the blueprint that he had put together at John Carroll that he wanted to bring to the Rams. And this included making comparisons between some of the players that he had at John Carroll and how he used them and how he planned to use some of the Rams star players. In fact, he brought up Frank Pines, who's an undersized lineman for John Carroll, and he compared him to Aaron Donald and said he would use Aaron Donald the way that he used Frank Pines. And Frank Pines thought it was hilarious that he would compare him to Aaron Donald and he's not the only one that thought it was really funny. There was a player that he had in the secondary whose name was Javon Dawson, and he compared Jalen Ramsey to Javon Dawson and said he was going to use Ramsey the way that he used Dawson at John Carroll. And here is what Dawson had to say. He said, I think it's funny that he compared me to Jalen Ramsey because I couldn't hold Jalen Ramsey's jockstrap. And then Pines, <laughs> who had been compared to Aaron Donald, said, that's just crazy that he said that. He's now a territory manager at U.S. Foods, by the way. He says, it's kind of weird because he's comparing me to the best player in the NFL. 
But on paper, while this sounds like the words of a maniac, that he would be taking these guys from a Division Three team and comparing them to two of the best players in the NFL, what this really shows you is the mind of a master strategist because he's saying to McVeigh during this interview, I know how to use these guys properly because I had to take guys that were lesser talents and use them similarly. I think I can get the same level of success, if not greater, out of these guys than what they've already been doing, which seems to be crazy because as we said, you're talking about two all pros in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. How much more could you expect to get out of those guys? Yeah, well, and it's it's a great comparison too because I think on on paper and when you read that you think like well how can he compare a d3 guy to two of the best in the entire world but when you look at relative to their competition maybe the way he used them was more relative to how he would use like you were saying scott how he could use jalen and aaron in the nfl comparison and he's done just that i mean i think he's he's i wouldn't say he's made necessarily jalen and aaron better than they were before they've been all pros in the past they were all pros again this season um they've certainly didn't fall off by any means they were just as good if not a little better but by the way he used them he was able to utilize their skill set to then benefit other players around them and you get guys like uh darius williams guys like troy hill that were not household names guys like you know sixth round pick jordan fuller who all of a sudden are becoming superstars in the league because of what they're able to do with jalen and aaron and it expunges over to these other players and so this whole scheme is like an ecosystem that all works together and so I think he was using his example of what he did at John Carroll with these two players you talked about and what they were able to expunge from their teammates and he was able to say hey I can use now these superstars to get the best out of these other players which was such a breath of fresh air for this Rams defense that was lacking before he got here and now obviously they're the number one defense the entire league so you know job well done. And we're going to get to his scheme and everything that makes it work and has made it so successful with the Rams in a bit. But there's another story that I wanted to talk about from John Carroll before we move on. It shows how Staley relates to his players. He's known for being intense, but he can cut loose a little bit. There was a moment that was talked about by some of his former players where they were in the locker room, and this was before a game in November during the season where they won the Division Three National Championship, and everybody's a little bit nervous. It's a big game. And at one point, Staley looks at the guys in the locker room, the defensive players, and he says, you know what song really pumps me up? The song Royals by Lord, which is not a song that you would think would pump up a football <laughs> locker room, but nonetheless, this is what Staley cited. So he starts blasting it and then starts awkwardly dancing. And he says to the players laughing, that's right, baby, we got to be smooth like chocolate milk. And this is where Frank Pines, who I talked about before, said everybody thought it was hilarious. It broke the tension. And that was where the defense really swung into being an elite defense for the rest of the season. And then they went on to win the championship there in Division Three. But that's something that tells you that he's not just some sort of mad scientist. He understands player relations. Well, yeah, I mean, that's sometimes the most important thing with any leader not necessarily just a coach but whether it be a quarterback or any just leader on any team is you have to be relational and have to relate to your guys that story I love that story you tell because it I immediately think of that story of Joe Montana in the Super Bowl mm -hmm. you know when he's you know staring at defeat has to drive down the field they're in the huddle nerves are shaking all of a sudden he looks and is that John Candy like in the crowd and and it just it, you hear stories of all the players that were in that huddle and they're like immediately they just like relaxed I'm like okay 
Joe, we, Joe's got this. We're good. Just do our job. And that's kind of what Brandon's done. He's been, you know, obviously you mentioned he's been, you know, he's very hard. He expects a lot of his players, but he's also, you know, a human being relational. And that's what Sean McVay is. I think that's why players love Sean McVay. Um, he's just a dude. He's out there just having fun. You go to practice. Like I've been at practice in training camp. And he's out there having a ball. He's running sprints with the guys. And they're doing when they're doing their sprints, he's running with them. When they're doing their their receiver drills, he's the one playing corner against him, giving him press coverages. And Brandon Staley is the same way. So that is such a huge part of coaching, a huge part of teaching, a huge part of leading. And that's why I think Brandon Staley is a really good candidate this year. And uh, we talked a little before jumping on here. I don't know if this cycle necessarily will be the year he gets hired, but if not, he'll be a head coach in this league very, very soon. And it's more. A lot of it has to do with his schemes and stuff like that, which we'll get to. But more of it is because of who he is as a person, his leadership and his relational ability, uh, which is huge in this league. Before he got to the Rams, he was going to have to get a break somewhere in the NFL. And the funny thing is that break was going to come from somebody that he had admired since the day he got into coaching. And that is Vic Fangio, who is the current head coach in Denver, had been a very successful defensive coordinator for many, many years. In fact, here's what Staley had to say about Vic Fangio. He says, I'd studied Vic since I first became a coordinator in junior college when he was at Stanford. I felt like I'd been coaching for Vic since 2010. I joke with people about that, but I'm actually quite serious because that's how far back I went studying his stuff. And then I was able to be on his staff for three years, pick up more context and really learn what he was doing. And he ended up working for Vic Fangio because there was an interesting connection here. The John Carroll head coach, Tom Arth, who I had talked about before, grew up with Dave Ragone. All three of these guys actually grew up in the Cleveland area, but Dave Ragone and Tom Arth were high school classmates. And Dave Ragone knew that the Chicago Bears were looking for a linebackers coach. And Tom Arth said, I think you guys should take a look at the guy I've got here. He idolizes Vic Fangio and he'd be the perfect fit because he already knows the Fangio defense inside and out. And then this comes back to what we were talking about, Ryan, and I think this is going to help him so much when it comes to potentially getting a head coaching job, if not this cycle, the next cycle, like you said. He impressed Fangio and knocked his socks off during the interview, and that's not an easy thing to do because Vic Fangio has been around forever. In fact, he was so impressive that halfway through the first season that he was linebackers coach for Fangio, he let him start leading the linebackers meetings. But here's what Fangio said about their interview. He said he was a very impressive guy. He's got very good football knowledge, and he's a savant in that he loves the game, loves to research it, loves to be up with all the new things, and is great at explaining it. So once again, the teacher aspect comes into play, but the communication and the ability to clearly articulate what he wants to do, these are very, very important things for a potential head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you said it all perfectly in the way that he idolized Vic Fangio, and then... Uh, not only being a teacher, but being a student under him. So being able to just ex take everything and, and soak it in and uh, take his concepts and his schemes and his, his style of uh, coaching that Vic did and uh, apply that to his own style, but then tweak it a little bit into his own, you know, personality and stuff. So, um, you know, he's, I, I idolize Vic. I think Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive minds ever in the NFL. I'm shocked it took him as long as it did to get a head coaching gig. Um, I guess that goes maybe back to the, 
interview process or, you know, what teams are looking for, or maybe he was, you know, happy being a, a defensive coordinator for a while, who knows, but um, obviously he's a head coach now and I think well-deserved, but, but uh, I think it was awesome what Brandon said they was able to learn from him. And we've seen that defense spill over to what the Rams are doing this year. And uh, obviously they're utilizing it to the full extent. And uh, a lot of that comes from what Staley learned and what he was able to take from Fangio in those three years under him. And, and we saw some great defenses and some great players that they coached. And I think it shows that when you have a star player or two on defense, you take those guys and you utilize them to the maximum of their capability. And then that spills over to your other players as opposed to, you know, alienating players. Sometimes, sometimes you see, if we're talking defenses specifically, you see star players almost get on an Island. Like they're, they're do their own specific skill set, and you have your other guys try to do something else. Well, they, in a sense, it's kind of hard to explain, but they use that skill set to spill over uh, to the rest of the team. And so it's, it kind of spreads out uh, that talent, if you will. And uh, so Vic is Fangio is one that's made that like famous and now Brandon Silly learned from him and, and him brought it over here to LA and uh, we're seeing it obviously with great success and uh, great success for him as a coach. Like you said, very great success in his first season as defensive coordinator with the Rams. The Rams are ranked third in points against second in DVOA for defense first in expected points added per play. Also, they have been outstanding at guarding the deep pass. They run light box on 83% of their plays, which is number one in the NFL. By the way, number two, this won't shock you, Ryan, Vic Fangio's defense in Denver. The two-on-ones in the passing game is what he focuses on, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But just to give you an idea of how effective he's been in being able to neutralize other teams' passing games, Other teams are 10 for 44 on deep passes with five interceptions. That's a 22.7% completion rate. That's second worst in the NFL. And opposing teams only have four touchdowns all season on passes of more than 10 yards in the air. That's number one in the NFL. Opposing passer rating 29.2 on deep throws. That's number one in the NFL. So all of that shows you that what he does is extremely successful. But I thought him taking what Fangio likes to do and putting a twist on it is really an outstanding way to run a defense because it takes some more modern elements and adds it to what Fangio has shown can be successful. When he interviewed with McVay, what he said is that he wants two-on-ones in the passing game and one-on-ones in the running game. So unlike a lot of defensive coordinators who scheme to stop the run first, Brandon Staley, if I may use a term that jokingly became associated with Adam Gase when he was here in New York, truly seems to understand where football is going because he is doing everything he can to stop the pass above everything else. And his scheme seems to really be geared towards that. A lot of double high looks, which is a trademark, of course, of the Fangio defense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and they've... Uh, you know, done that to a T and they've, uh, done it very successfully. Obviously you can have the schemes drawn up. You can have, uh, the style you want. You can have those looks that you want, but then the players have to execute it. Uh, if it's going to be successful and something you can continue all season and the players have executed it. 
Uh, and if you ask Brandon Staley, the first people he'll, he'll credit is his other coaches on his staff. Um, Eric Henderson, who's a tremendous defensive line coach, who will probably be a defensive coordinator here very soon, maybe in, even in this cycle. Um, Aubrey Pleasant, who's our secondary, the Rams secondary coach, cornerback um, coach, um, also phenomenal, will probably be a defensive coordinator here very soon, maybe in this cycle. And so they've all bought into what Staley's um, scheme and system is and are able to coach those player up to execute them. And then the players obviously execute them. You have uh, a tremendous defensive line, um, you know, outside of Aaron Donald, you have Michael Brockers. Uh, Morgan Fox is a really underrated name who uh, basically started last week because Brockers was on the COVID list and he played very, very well. And, and Greg Gaines and Sebastian Joseph day and all these players, Ashawn Robinson that just really just do their job and do it well. And uh, you have secondary players that are lesser known. And I mentioned them earlier, Troy Hill and Darius Williams, who are playing at Pro Bowl levels. And at the safety position, Jordan Fuller, I mentioned a guy drafting the sixth round who's just played unreal and, and uh, you know, plays in that star position every now and then when they go in uh, nickel sets, which is very often. If you know Vic Fangio's scene, they don't run base very often. They're usually in nickel and dime sets. And uh, Brandon Staley does the exact same thing. So, and I got to at least mention John Johnson who's one of the better safeties in the league that never gets talked about. And he's been a staple of this defense. And uh, I think Brandon Staley would point to him as being one of the leaders of uh, especially the back. end. I know Jalen Ramley gets a lot of the credit, but John Johnson, one of those guys. So uh, Staley does a phenomenal job drawing these concepts, these schemes, exactly what he wants to get the matchups he wants. Um, but then you got to give hats off to these players who have executed it. So, uh, and, and that's just about buying in. And, and, you know, when you get to the NFL level, uh, Scott, and this is what I try to always talk about on my show. It helps too that I have a former player on my show. So, so he <laughs> definitely likes to talk about this a lot. When you get to this level, the margin of skill between, I don't want to say superstar, but between stars and average players is very, very thin. All these guys are super talented. If you get drafted, you're good enough to play in the NFL. It's about right scheme fit. It's about buying into that scheme fit. And then obviously it's about the work you put into it. So, that's where coaching comes in. It's about getting the most out of your players because all these guys can play. I hate when you, you hear the excuses, well, oh, they drafted terrible, blah, blah, blah. No, all these guys are good enough to play. It's about your coaches then getting the best out of them, the most out of them. And that's what Staley's done because I keep saying it over and over. I don't want to sound boring and repeat myself, but these players that guys don't know about, people don't know about, are all of a sudden stars this year. It's because, well, they bought in and their coaches really get the most out of them. And that's what you get from this system, from this scheme and what Staley does and why I get really amped up and stoked for where he's going to be in the future in the NFL. You want to talk about a great example of that. The Rams lost Dante Fowler to free agency, brought in Leonard Floyd, who had been more or less considered a bust with the Chicago Bears. And then yeah. this year he flourished completely under Brandon Staley, right? Oh yeah, he's been he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's had a bigger I th I, try, I think statistically he finished a sack or two under Dante Fowler, but he's he was much more involved in the run uh, run defense. Uh, he's even involved in the pass defense. If you know a, a Fangio scheme, but certainly the Staley scheme, your outside linebackers are going to be dropping back a little bit more than than one would expect in a three four defense. Um, but yeah, I remember we we had a a Bears person on you know great great guy so i'm not saying anything bad about him but we had a bears person on beginning of the year it was when the rams played the bears i think it was week three week three or four and so we talked about that like oh what's your thoughts on facing leonard floyd uh your former you know first round pick and they're like oh we could not wait to get him out of chicago we were you know breath of fresh air that he's gone from chicago your guys's problem now and now we're sitting up here like well Clearly, the guy had talent. He was a you know top ten pick overall. Had a phenomenal career at Georgia. Um, his best season 
in Chicago was when Fangio and Staley were there when they left, you know, he started to struggle a little bit under Chuck Pagano and then, you know, comes to LA and, and is able to thrive. And, you know, sometimes that happens too, which is guys, you know, changing a, a scenery and they're in a contract year, he's on a one-year deal and they, they're trying to prove themselves. But, but I think it more speaks to what Staley and this defensive coaching staff is able to do. And, and, you know, he's going to get paid next off season. I hope it's with the Rams. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know how much you, you and your listeners know Rams have a very tough cap situation, so I don't <laughs> know if they'll be able to afford him, but certainly turned in a good year. And that's what Staley has been able to do with a lot of these players. Ryan, let's talk about the salty dog cafe, which I think is hilarious. The salty dog cafe is what <laughs> Brandon Staley calls the establishment of the salty dogs. And how do you become a salty dog? You become a salty dog when you trick out, which is a Brandon Staley phrase, which means disguising a coverage to create an opportunity for another defensive player whom the offense wouldn't expect to be a factor in the play. And this goes into what we were talking about again with the scheming of Staley and how innovative he is because he does do a lot of that Fangio stuff. He does do a lot of the double high, but play to play. Quarter to quarter, he's constantly making adjustments and he loves to do trickery before the snap. So he makes these quarterbacks think that he's going to go one way and then all of a sudden, just before the snap, things change. So he can spin to a variety of looks, including a cover three or a single high. And for a quarterback pre-snap, they're not going to see this. And if you're doing something like Standing in the shotgun, it makes it even harder because of the difference in time for when the ball's in your hands to when the ball gets snapped. It makes it very difficult on the quarterback. And in fact, Tom Brady, of all people, got fooled by this when the Rams were playing the Buccaneers earlier this season, and it led to a game-sealing interception for the Rams. So this is a guy that can even fool Tom Brady with his trickery up at the line of scrimmage. That tells you something about his ability to adjust and to improv, not just from quarter to quarter and half to half in game to game, but play to play. Yeah, I love that you brought up Brady because that's the first thing I was going to say once I started talking was, uh, you know, Brady doesn't get fooled very often in his illustrious career. I know this year has been a different year for him, and, and that's a whole different conversation altogether. Still put up pretty good numbers. Um, but yeah, that game, he was never comfortable. The Rams defense, you know, got after him with the pass rush. But then you mentioned, yeah, the secondary, the schemes, it just the changing the look of the line of scrimmage. Cause that's what I think what's made, if we're talking specifically Brady, what's made him so dominant is he's able to dissect the defense before he ever snaps the ball. So I think that's what's for non fans of him. What's frustrating is you think you watch a Brady game. And it's literally snap and the ball's out in two seconds, usually a, a quick crosser or, or, you know, an out route that's, you know, nothing crazy hard to do. And they do that. They lull you to sleep and they finally hit one over the top. Well, the Rams were able to just scheme so much and confuse so much line of scrimmage that he was never comfortable doing that. Um, Jordan Fuller had two interceptions that game. Um, there should have been a third one. I believe it was Troy Hill down the sideline that he ended up dropping. So he should have had, had three interceptions and was never comfortable. Um, we've seen them do this with, uh, Russell Wilson twice, who they'll face again uh, on Saturday uh, in Wild Card Weekend. Um, we've seen this with I know Josh Allen and the Buc or and the Buffalo Bills ended up winning that game in Week Two, uh, but from the first half to the second half was a completely different look. Uh, Josh Allen looked like a completely different quarterback because of what Brandon Staley and the defense was able to do in adjustments, and it, it's kind of become a joke out here. Almost as you you just expect the team you play to score early 
whether it be the first drive or second drive, because it kind of takes time for Staley and the offense and the defensive minds to kind of figure out, okay, what are we going to adjust? What are we going to do? So they almost let them score early and then they adjust and cl- and put the clamps down and shut down. And that's been kind of the MO all season long. So uh, it's just been, it's fun to watch, man. They're, they're a dynamic group and and what he does and, and puts together is, is extremely exciting. And, and I think anyone that watches the Rams defense gets excited to watch defense. And that's in today's NFL. That's not the case, but just watch the Rams defense. If, if any Jets fans out there haven't go watch some film on them because it's, it's fun to watch, to watch those guys run around, and a lot of that obviously is a credit to their defensive coordinator. Some really good performances by players on this defense this year. Aaron Donald, another fantastic season. Michael Brockers had one of the best years that he's had in a long time. Also undrafted free agent Morgan Fox had a career-best six sacks. Sebastian Joseph Day had a really nice season, grew into a good contributor. Of course, the best one of all has been Jalen Ramsey, who's been one of the keys to this defense because Staley has realized, much like Rex Ryan did when he was the coach of the Jets and he had Darrell Revis, that he can leave Ramsey on an island and not have to worry about it, which frees him up for a lot of creativity there. Yeah, I mean, he he basically covers the star receiver every single week and and does a phenomenal job at it. He'll face DK Metcalf for the third time uh, in uh, in uh, Wild Card Weekend, I believe. In the two matchups, he has like four receptions total um, for like under thirty yards. So done a phenomenal job. He you know essentially shut down DeAndre Hopkins in the final week of the season in a must win game for the Cardinals. Um, he's a phenomenal player. And I think when, uh, the Rams traded two first round picks for him, there was a lot of shock and awe there and a lot of, wow, is that way overpriced? And now you see what they're able to do with him with this defense overall. And you think, no, I mean, what, what two players kind of similar to Brandon Staley was on the team at the time or was a coach on the team. But when the bears traded two first round picks for Khalil Mack and it's like, well, is that giving up too much? But it's like, what two first round players are actually to be as good as that one player? And very rarely, not saying you couldn't, but rarely do you find that um, to be a positive or find that to actually come to fruition. So so it's worked out great for the Rams. Jalen Ramsey, um, obviously now he's gotten paid, so he's locked up there. And and uh, he certainly locks down uh, receivers that allows the rest of the defense to uh, kind of do their own thing. And, and like you mentioned, run some fun schemes and, and you know, different things to confuse offenses because they, they don't have to worry about the top receiver because, you know, he's locked down. Because they're able to, uh, so then they're able to focus on other stuff and focus on the run. Even they run a light box, they have, you know, screaming in safeties or someone else from the top coming from the side. Um, so they're able to do a lot of fun things. And obviously, it's worked out well. And the best players on the team really seem to respond to him. Here's what Michael Brockers had to say. I told him the first time we were on a Zoom call, he had me fired up, ready to go. I wanted to put my helmet on right during that Zoom call because he had me so fired up. Jalen Ramsey said he's about ball, but at the same time, he's a player's coach. So he's saying, serious dude, really wants to get down to business. But as we talked about before with the stuff like salty dog and smooth as chocolate milk, he can be funny too. Aaron Donald seems to really like him as well. He says he cracks a couple of jokes here and there, but he definitely brings a lot of excitement and a lot of passion with him. So he really does seem to be a mixture of passion, intensity, intelligence, and then also kind of funny and relatable, which is something you don't find a lot with coaches. That's a very tough combination to uncover. Yeah, the the Rams, you know, hit home runs in that department with essentially their whole staff. Obviously, it starts with Sean McVay. I mentioned earlier what he's like in practice. Just, Just the way both these guys, him and Staley, when you're in 
in zoom calls with them. They're talking to the media. It's, it's very different than other coaches. I've, I've been in other zoom calls. I covered the XFL uh, when that was running last year and the LA Wildcats out here and, and coach Winston Moss, who is an awesome guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's a great uh, football coach, but man, some of those zoom calls were some of the most intimidating calls I've ever been on just cause he, he, <laughs> I don't know. I'll just leave it at that intimidating. Cause he just, he didn't want to talk to media. He comes off, you know, a little different. Whereas Staley McVeigh, they're just, they're guys you'd have a beer with, you know, you'd sit down, hang out, have a good time, but their football knowledge is off the charts. So I think the players respect them. And we'll talk specifically Staley since that's what this is about. The players respect him because of how well he knows the game, how well he teaches the game, how well they coach the game, but then they enjoy their company because they're actually just like a fun dude, a fun guy to talk to, hang out. They ask about their daily life. They ask, you know, what's going on at home. Tell me about the wife, the kids, what's happening there. And so there's, there's obviously you guys just moved on from a defensive coordinator. There's probably very different in that realm. Whereas mm-hmm. Grant say is a guy that you would sit down when you'd invite him, invite over for dinner. But then when he talks football, you're like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I, I actually want to learn from him because I know he's going to make me a better football player. I want to talk about that because it's very, very important that somebody that comes in here is a strong communicator and can handle the media because we know it's New York. Now, L.A. is no picnic either, but we also know that L.A. is not a football town. It's really more about the Dodgers. It's more about USC, if anything, with football, and it's more about the Lakers. Football in the professional ranks is not as big out in L.A. as those things, but here in New York, you will get eaten alive if you can't handle the media. It sounds like in addition to being able to communicate well, he knows how to navigate those landmines, which, as you said, a lot of big-time coaches do not know how to do. Yeah, I, I, and you have a really good point there. It, it's extremely important, and especially going to a market like New York, Um, but I think because of his personality and because of how smart he is, there's been coaches in the past and not just for New York, but, uh, for other teams where when the team's not doing well, when they're losing and they get those tough questions, they almost, um, they almost get pissed off by it, right? Like no one wants to get asked a tough question after you lose a tough game or, or, you know, get hounded by a reporter when, when they're trying to act smart and you're like, bro, I'm the coach of the team. I, I know what I'm talking about. And they kind of come off snarky or they just don't want to respond or you get the Bell Belichick response. We're on to Cincinnati and, you know, he just doesn't answer any questions. Brandon Staley is so different that he, when he gets a, any question he gets, win or loss, because I've seen in multiple interviews, he takes that question, he, he responds to the reporter, name first basis, They him and McVeigh both, they know every reporter by name, every time they, yeah, Lindsay, what can I help you with? What, they know all their names, and then he'll literally take that question and he'll break it down and break down everything about it. Now, who knows when he's head coach, if that could change, but I'm just saying the guy is, he's so smart and so personable that I think after a while, even the media will be like, well, you know, I I know I'm going to push him, but he's just going to come back so politely and so nicely that how much can I really push the guy because he's such a just good communicator. So um, if there's any coach on this circuit that I think would fit in the New York media, Brandon Staley is one of those because of not only how smart he is, but because of how he can communicate. And so I think he would really mesh actually with the New York media and they'd be like, damn, this guy knows what he's doing. So when we push him, he's just, he doesn't push back. He just answers us openly and honestly and gives us a good answer. One thing I got to ask you about, though, Ryan, is the CEO effect. Now, it's an overused term. People keep throwing it out there, but it is important because it does apply here. We know that he's a defensive wizard and he checks a lot of the boxes, but being the head coach is a very different job 
than being a coordinator because there are like 12 different things that you need to be good at that have nothing to do with just running a unit. We talked about this before with the media, but then you have to handle the players. You have to handle the coaches. You have to handle the people above you, ownership, people in the front office. You've got to handle PR. You've got to put out fires. It's basically a 24-hour-a-day job, and you have to be good at so many different things. Mm -hmm. Are you convinced that Brandon Staley is the kind of guy that is up to the task of handling all of that, or is he just a really brilliant defensive mind? You know, Scott, obviously it's a phenomenal question. That's a question basically for all these coaches that are getting interviewed. I know you're covering a lot of them, but Brian Dabble. uh, Is it Dabble or is it Dable? I feel like I always say it wrong. Dable. Okay, it is Brian Dable. Okay, so Brian Dable, Arthur Smith, um, all these different coordinators that are up for jobs. That's the biggest question. Are they good at their respective duties or can they oversee an operation and play the CEO role? I truly believe Brandon Staley can just from the personality I've seen from him. He does seem like that leadership quality and he can overcome. Um, you know, he's he's not old by any means, but he's not as young. He's still 38, so I would call that very young uh, to be a head coach. But he's not, you know, the you know Joe Brady, who's 31 years old, or Sean McVay when he was hired, 31 years old. Um, you know, he's an older guy. He'll have that respect level. Um, but I, I certainly think he can actually absolutely play the CEO role, put out the fires, handle, you know, stuff ac- across the whole team. The biggest thing for him, and I, I truly believe he does, he knows offense. I, you know, obviously when you're a D coordinator, you're facing the offense, you know what they do, but still the biggest thing for him, whether he gets hired with New York or anywhere else is finding a really, really good offensive coordinator that meshes with him. that can really be the CEO of the offense. And I know, Everyone wants their head coach to be the full CEO, but in my opinion, that's kind of gone nowadays. You you have your whatever minded head coach you have usually runs that side of the ball. They obviously oversee everything at the end of the day, but they usually bring in a guy that can do everything on the opposite side and they trust and they don't want to micromanage and they say, hey, you're in charge of that. I'll step in if I need to, but I want you to run that. So I think it's really important for uh, Brandon say wherever he goes to find a really good off- offensive mind. That's why me personally, if he were to get hired, I kind of think he's a great fit for the Chargers just because if he were to go to the Chargers and the Chargers say retain a guy like Pep Hamilton or Shane Steichen, who already built a great rapport with Justin Herbert, they had a really good you know top 10 offense in the NFL, and then he can have them run the offense, he can run the defense, plus be the overseer overall. Um, but that's a really long-winded answer saying, yes, I certainly think he can be CEO. I just think it's really integral of him to get a really good offensive guy in there to run the offensive side. So at least that takes some off his plate. How confident are you that he would be able to do that? How well has he done at selecting the members of his coaching staff? Because that obviously will tell you a lot about what he would do as CEO. Well, I think... Obviously, we haven't seen him really pick his staff um, fully. I mean, he when he came in as the Rams DC, a lot of those guys were in place already. Um, and him and McVeigh though did add. You know, Eric Henderson came over from the Chargers, and he's been a bre- he's been phenomenal for the defensive line. But guys like Aubrey Pleasant, Joe Barry, those guys were already uh, integrated here on the Rams defense that stayed put. Um, so it'll be kind of a new process. We'll see. But I think we can look to what you talked about, Scott, in the beginning of our conversation about how he was interviewing four other jobs when he went to John Carroll. And as soon as he stepped in and the guys were like, this is the guy, 
right? Like, this is the guy we want. I think that can be worked in reverse. Like, guys that he interviews and he says, hey, this is what I want to happen. And there's going to be coordinators who are like, yep, okay, I want to work with this guy. This is a guy I believe in. I want to, you know, work under, work beside, whatever it may be. So I think just the fact that he has that already um, intangible that a lot of people don't have, um, he has that relationship building, he has that smarts, I think that will allow him, because there's no doubt he, he can't, find someone that has a great football mind. I don't have any doubt he can say, hey, this guy knows offense. I want him. I think he'll be able to go get that guy because of how well he can communicate. And when he brings him in, hey, come interview for the job. And as soon as that guy comes in, say it's a you know a, a top-minded offensive guy, they'll be like, yep, I want to work with Brandon Staley. And then that's how he'll build a, I think, really solid staff. So I think you'll have, whether it's a, a younger staff or a lesser known, but I think it's a staff that a year or two from now or whenever he's a head coach, everyone's like, Dan, that, that's a really solid football staff. Anybody with the Rams right now as an offensive assistant for Sean McVay that you think might leave with Staley if he were to go somewhere as a head coach? You know, I I wouldn't be shocked if the current OC, Kevin O'Connell, went just because he doesn't have play calling duty uh, with the Rams. Sean McVay handles all play calling. We saw Matt LaFleur was under McVay his first year. Uh, as the OC, no play calling duty. After a year, he went to Tennessee for the same position, just lateral move, but it was because he could then call plays. And then obviously a year later became head coach at green Bay. So that would not surprise me him bringing over Kevin O'Connell um, and giving him kind of full control of the offense. Um, I don't know if he would necessarily go that route, but I think it, it would be a very smart move. And I also wouldn't be shocked if he brought over a few of the defensive guys with him, say, like I mentioned, Eric Henderson, Aubrey Pleasant, or even a Joe Barry to be his DC under him. Uh, if he became head coach. Believe it or not, Kevin O'Connell was a Jet years ago, so that would be an interesting way of this all coming full circle (laughs) if Brandon Staley were to get hired as the head coach and to bring Kevin O'Connell back as the offensive coordinator. But now we know a lot more about Brandon Staley, and I have to be honest, as I've said before, sometimes my research really changes my opinion on a candidate I really like Todd Monken as a candidate a couple of years ago after digging in on him. This year, I really like Matt Eberflus a lot more than I did before I started doing the research. And boy, has my opinion on Brandon Staley skyrocketed after talking to Ryan Dyrude of the LA Football Network. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Great insight. Really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this coaching search turns out, but I'm also really looking forward to listening to your podcast. You've got an awesome guest coming up tomorrow. Yeah, Scott. Hey, man, I really, uh, really appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, I always just love talking football. I I am huge on Brandon Staley. I'm sure I just sound like I was gushing over him the whole time, but I remember talking in week five, five weeks in the season, I was tweeting out, this guy's going to be a head coach very, very soon just because of how good he is and what he knows and what his players have bought into. So so I'm excited for him. Like I said, if it doesn't happen this cycle, it'll happen very soon. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. And uh, yeah, thanks for the shout out, man. We're having a, uh, I always say his last name wrong, so I'm probably going to butcher it, but UCLA defense alignment, um, Osa Ogabuye, I believe <laughs> is how it's pronounced. I think that probably is incorrect but i'll correct it before we have him on but you know he's in the senior bowl um so i'm sure you know jets fans maybe will be looking at that if you if you want another interior defensive lineman but he had a phenomenal year out here in la and uh for ucla and i think he's going to have a very bright nfl future and uh, i mean I, I am excited to see how the jets do and i'm a big you know this is a whole other discussion but i'm a, a big sam darnold guy you know i cover usc and he, he had a phenomenal career here with the trojans and uh, i thought he was a slam dunk pick and 
in my opinion, you know, that that's kind of the gaze factor. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I think hopefully if you guys do roll with him in the future, he'll be able to turn things around and, and become the quarterback that I think he really can be. But yeah, Scott, I'm rambling. Thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. Dude. <laughs> how can people find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on a uh, uh, Twitter at Ryan Dyrud. LAFB is my personal account. Our main account is at LAFB Network, and the uh, podcast is just the LAFB or the LA Football Podcast. Make sure that you're listening to Ryan's podcast and following him on Twitter as well. If you haven't given us a five star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets, podcast you know where to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn on the jets.com judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.